0: The Gospel of John, chapter 3, and verse 16. For God loved, and for God so loved the world, in this way he gave his only, his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for, as Paul says, we have a more sure word from you. Not left up to our speculation or our feelings or how we think, but we have a more sure word. A word that we can put our weight on because you are the one that wrote it. Thank you for this verse that speaks of your love. May it take root in our lives. May we become not just hearers, but doers of your word. And we thank you for what's going to do f- to us individually and collectively, because we had the opportunity to hear from you. For it's in his name we pray and ask it all. Amen. So today is Valentine's Day, a day that we celebrate love. Love is in the air, I hope. <laughs> but we celebrate love, whether it be for someone that's significant in our lives, such as a husband or wife, or other people that are in our lives. Today's been set aside so that we might give recognition of the love, whether it be to those of our individual families, or even collectively, or people in our lives. We celebrate the love and affection to the people that we love. Great stories, great movies. Songs have been written and sung about love. I mean, you can just think in your mind as you go back and you hear great stories. uh, You can just think of all the various movies that have been written, all centered on the theme of a love between somebody or a love that somebody had. All the songs that have been sung about love. One of the great songmeisters, Luther Vandross. As he was singing, and hear that voice. You have others, you know, Johnny Mathis and others. I'm I'm talking old school now. It is old school because I really don't know any of the newer guys that are out there singing. (laughs) I mean, you know, Taylor Swift, I guess, has some love songs. I don't know. But whoever they are. And then we just know that as we have lived our lives, even the love stories that you may have as individuals about your own love story that you've had, but nothing can compare to the greatest love story of all that was ever given or written or told about that is greater than what we find in John chapter 3 and verse 16. This is the greatest love story of all, and it's in this passage that perhaps that is one of the most recognizable passages of Scripture, that we have God's love story to us. John three sixteen says, "For God so loved, or for God loved, or for God so loved the world in this way." One of the interesting things is we have here. The fact that, point number one, God initiated this love. Notice what it says, for God. God didn't have it as an afterthought. God had already been thinking about this. From the time of creation, was an expression of God's love, because out of nothing, God created everything that we know and see in this world. The shining ornament, the, the thing that God created that is the shining point of all of creation was when he created man and woman. And his love was shown to them by making them co-regents or over the entire creation. God could have set up set it up where that he as God could have had rule over everything, but God delegated some authority to man and woman. That's why animals aren't in charge, but mankind is in charge. And that all started with the creation of God. He created man, he created woman to enjoy the world that he created. And out of that love, he simply expressed to man the desire that I have placed you in this place to tend to the garden. And he only made one restriction, is that they were not to eat of the tree of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. But you know the story. Man in his sinfulness, man in his selfishness, got beside himself and disobeyed. And from the time of the disobedience, God set in place his love story to man. Because ultimately what God knew he had to do is, as man at the very beginning walked with God and talked with God, once sin came into the picture, there was a separation, and God began the process of bringing man and himself back together. If that's not what love is, I don't know what it really is, because so many times when we get on the outs or we get upset with somebody, we tend to want to stay away Sometimes we say forever. God could have did that, but his love was that he started in place to put man and himself back together. And as you read from Genesis all the way forward throughout the entire Bible, you see the love story that God initiated, that God himself put into place. And when you get to John 3.16, it's really simple. Because what he says is, "For God so loved," the word "so" shows the amount or the extent of His. Life. It wasn't just that God loved, but He, for God, so loved the world. Amen. And verse sixteen is connected to verse fifteen. That second part, for it says, "So that everyone who believes in Him." May have eternal life. The reason why we may have eternal life. Is because God so loved the world. Without God. There is no eternal life. And that eternal life. Comes through believing. In Christ Jesus. You could substitute the word for. You could say in this manner. In this manner. God so loved the world. So. God so loved the world. All expressions indicate that God was the starting point to express his love to us. It's not that God did this out of being sentimental, but it was prompted by God. That he would go take this action and provide a plan of salvation. For God so loved the world. He initiated. That for God so loved the world. Also, point number two is the object of God's love was the world. First, God initiated. Secondly, the object of God's love was the world. The word cosmos, the place in which human beings live. God so loved the world. God loved the very place where you and I exist. The world, and he also not necessarily talk about human beings, but also the created order that he has, because we understand that in the Bible there is going to come a day at the end where we will be restored back to where we were originally designed to be, as well as this world in creation. It's going to be restored back so that there will no longer be any tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, snow. Armageddon or whatever they call it now, snow-ageddon. snow again is what I heard somebody say the other day. I'm like, you know what, y'all y'all, y'all getting crazy. I can remember more snow than this. In my time, my good buddy over here, he probably knows, working for the post office. There's been times that this, yeah, this didn't stop us. The only time we ever shut down at UPS and probably the post office was when we had those two uh, big events back in the 70s, I guess it was. Well, we had so much snow, I, every morning we got up and it was like, ugh. But that day, the man that was over everybody said, shut it down. I there's going to come a day when that's not even going to happen. God's going to restore us back. The fact that we are the object of God's love, the world, the cosmos, the place in which we inhabit. We are in the world that is part of God's creation. That's how he loved us. The object of God's love. The next part of it is shows point three is God's payment. Notice what it says here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only or his one and only begotten son. Love costs God a lot. It did not, God's love did not come to us cheaply. And sometimes sometimes we as men, women, boys and girls, try to be cheap on our expression of love. And it's not so much the money, it's the intent behind it. I mean, I can remember when you get a little card from your children. They didn't go to like then, we went to Hallmark House or Hallmark to get our cards, but it wasn't the fact that how much the card was. The, the, the intent was the fact that it came from somebody's heart. That little crayon drawing with a little heart on it. that said, Daddy, I love you. Or, Mom, I love you. Now, our wives tend to want something a bit more than a crayon drawing. You know. And I know there's a woman in my life that every time she opens a card, if it's not with something in it, it's not of a value. It's like, and I always say, you don't even read the card. You just, you know, all the nice words in the front, and the back, in the middle. Uh, okay. But God is intent. His love. God so loved the world that he what? Gave. The sacrifice. The ability to have a payment towards. He gave what? The very best that he had. That's what God demands of us. God, for God initiated, for God so loved the world, the, the object of his love, the payment is that he gave, and the cost was his only begotten son. His one and only the very best of who God is, God gave that. He didn't give God sec- God didn't give us seconds. He gave us the best. And that was wrapped up in the person of His Son Jesus Christ. And that same love that He gave to us is what He wants us to return back to him. He expects us to give back to him the very best that we have. Not the leftovers, not the cheapy, but the best. So God's payment. There was, his, the Greek word is, begotten is the word the One of a kind. There was no one equal to. His unique son. The sacrifice. He donated. He bestowed to us. So that we're even here, right here, This morning. God initiated. The object of God's love is the world. That we inhabit. God's payment is the cost of his one and only son. And the result of this payment. Is really simple. He gave his one and only son that. Everyone who believes in him. Will not perish. But have eternal life. God initiated, God shows us the object of his love, God gave the payment for it. And the result of that payment is, number one, is given to everyone who believes. Everyone who puts their trust, puts their confidence, puts their faith in him. Those of us who rely on God. Amen. So that everyone who believes, that's what belief is. It's a reliance upon God. It's the, the trust in God. It's to be confident in God. I mean, you're born, I'm born, we're in the world. The moment we get saved, what we really should be saved is, number one, I recognize myself as a sinner. God provided for me a way of salvation. But after we acknowledge that we're a sinner, after we acknowledge we need God, we put our trust in his son, in what God has done for us. We become confident in him. We put our faith in him. We rely on him, not just in emergency situations, but for every aspect of our life. Tuesday afternoon wasn't the only time I've ever called on God. Yeah, we're surrounded by ice and snow and sliding all over the place, but that wasn't the first time I had to say, God, I rely on you. I've relied on God all my whole life in a whole lot of other situations. And in fact, I don't even have to be in a situation. I just have come to the point, I trust and I rely on God, period. I woke up this morning relying on God. I got in my car and drove to church relying on God. In a few moments, I'm going to get in my car and drive back home. Again, relying on God. I'm going to be in my house relying on God. All day until I lie down, I'm going to rely on God. And Lord willing, when I get up in the morning, I'm going to what? Rely on God. My faith, my trust, my confidence is in him. And not just for me, but for my family, my friends, my loved ones, my church family. I simply come to the point, I totally rely on God. Why? Because ain't nothing I can do. Is there? No. I have no control over what's going to happen in today's course of events. Somebody did not wake up this morning that thought they were going to wake up. Hopefully they had their trust and confidence in God. I have a daughter in Hamilton. I have a son married over here on the other side of the neighborhood. I have another son. I have a wife. I got you all, everybody. Nobody knows what's going to happen. That's why we have to rely on God. You take a trip, you got to rely on God. There's no guarantee in this life that you're going to get up tomorrow. There's no guarantee that we got the rest of this day to be alive. I can see you. You can see me. And all of a sudden, you may get a call or somebody put out on Facebook, whatever. Did you know the pastor passed away? What happened? What? I just, we just had church. What are you talking about? He seemed like he was all right. Well, girl, I'm telling you, he's gone. I know that's a reality because that happened to me, my pastor. I saw him go. His bag. I was at his house the night before he left packing his bags and all that stuff and he got on the plane to fly and next thing I know in the middle of the night find out he's gone you get to bed at night I was talking to a, a gentleman the other day he was saying you know what oh I know who it wasn't it with was John Turner the guy from the funeral home in Hillsboro we were talking he said, man I just hope that when I go it just I just lay down and just go to sleep and don't wake I said Everybody wants to go that way. Everybody just wants to, at the end of the day, put their head on the pillow and ease on into eternity. That's not guaranteed. You can do all you can to try not to prevent it. You can say, well, I'm not going to let this happen. I'm not gonna, you have no, <laughs> there is, you do not have control over that. Our days are numbered and counted by the Lord. And he knows how we will leave this earth. But God so loved that the fact that I believe my confidence is in him. That's what I that's how I have to live my life. Number two, he says there in John 3 16, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Number, I will not perish. The sense of this word is destroy, lose, without spiritual life under the condemnation of God. In other words, I won't be lost. The songwriter said, I once was lost, but now I'm what? Found. People without God, people without Christ as the center and the joy and the head of their life, they are legitimately lost. They don't know the direction. They're going in the wrong direction. There's nothing worse than going in the wrong direction. You think you're going in the right way, and all of a sudden, and if you try to rely on uh, Siri, and you try to rely on all the GPS, sometimes that's even messed up. It doesn't tell you the exact path to go. It doesn't say continue on your path and take a slight turn to the right. You just follow the road. The road goes this way. The road goes that way. It's all one road, and you're like, okay, I'm going to keep on on this path. And the next thing you know, you hear Recycle, return, turn around, make a U-turn. And you have to turn around, or it tells you how to go all the way back around John Doe's barn to get back to where you probably could have been if you were in the right direction. God didn't leave that up to us. He gave us the directional guide, which is his Bible, the Word of God. You don't have to be lost. You don't have to be. All you got to do is say, Lord, I want to be found in you. Save me. And once the moment you're saved, and you commit yourself to understanding and reading and study and, and joining in Sunday school and Bible school and Wednesday nights, learning more about God. This is a directional guide by which we can live our life. You wanna be happy? You wanna be content? You wanna be make Jesus the center of your joy? It's all wrapped up in Christ and in his Bible and in the Word of God. That's all you have that's all you have to do. You don't have to perish. There's no reason anybody born today has to perish because God has provided for all of mankind salvation. Now, people don't believe it. Some of us don't even believe it. But you don't have to be lost. Now, here's the challenge for those of us that do believe. Here's the challenge to submit to the authority of God's word. Well, I know that's what it says. But here comes that word. But, how many people do you know live their life with a but of, am I willing to give up everything for Jesus? Don't be quick to answer that question because many of us are not. There are many of us, if not all of us, find ourselves in circumstances and relationships and jobs or whatever that we're willing to compromise what the Lord tells us that we should do in order to not do so that we can, quote, have happiness and not realizing that true happiness, true contentment, true joy comes in being obedient to God and his word. Jesus' sacrifice. God sacrificed his only son. Sister, you're about sacrifice for fasting. Well, we can start out with great vim and vigor. Say, I'm not going to eat. And fasting doesn't have to be you go without food for 45 days. Maybe you just give up the very thing that you enjoy the most. Can I make it for, for 35, 45 Days without popcorn in the evening? Can I make it without having something sweet? Can I make it without eating? Can I make it without watching my favorite TV show? Can I make it without whatever it is, whatever that is that you and I love the most? We, you know, the very thing that you value the most, could you go without it? From now to Easter? I see some heads going, hmm. That's an interesting question, Pastor. Summers already said, nope, can't do it. <laughs> I've already, Pastor, I've already counted the cost. I can't do it. I'm sorry. I, I thought, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you, Pastor. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you, God. I can say I'm going to try, but I am making no guarantees. But isn't it interesting that God didn't say that to us? God simply said, in order to provide for man's salvation, in order to provide for the fact that I want people to believe in my son, in order to provide that uh, means that people, men, women, boys, girls, will not perish, I am going to give, I'm going to sacrifice of myself the very best that I've got in order to provide for them salvation. And then also interesting, you and I are not willing to same that same, have that same sacrifice, and say, you know what? I'm willing to give this up because I understand God gave His best, and I want to give my best. He says in John three sixteen, he simply says, for God so loved the world in the way in this way, He gave His only His one and only Son, that Whosoever or anyone who believes in him will not perish, but here it is, but have eternal life. God's love for us is that he's provided for us eternal life. The sense of this word is the, the condition of living, the state of being alive, the, the idea of vitality, the idea of healthiness, the idea of Happiness, eternal life, a new quality of life, which is both present now as well as also our possession in the future forever. That's what eternal life is about. It is about a new quality of life, which is both present. Right now you have eternal life. And also, it is our possession in the future. We have eternal life now, and we will also have eternal life when we go be with the Lord. For, for how long, Pastor? Forever. A new quality of life. You know, one of the things when I look at some of my good friends, I count them as friends. And I, I, ask, and I think to myself, I've got some guys I know talk to all the time, and I look at I think, you would think at the age we are at, we would want to be in a better stage of life. They would want to be in a better stage of life. I mean, how long do you spend chasing your tail and getting nowhere? Just spinning around in circles. But with God, he gives us a what? A new quality of life. I would tell anybody, you and I don't really begin to live until we give our life to God, to our life to Christ. That's when we come alive. That's when we have happiness. That's when we have contentment. That's when life makes sense, even in a world that sometimes doesn't have any sense at all. I'm not pressed about all this stuff that's going on. In fact, I kind of turned it off. I really haven't been watching much of the news anymore. I've been tired. I'm getting tired here hearing the same old, same old. We know Democrats and Republicans are fighting. There was no mystery that what happened yesterday with, with the impeachment was the final result. That was not anything, no new. That's been going, we knew that back last year. They were going to do anything. We understand that anything that President Biden does is going to be contentious and People, some will like it, most will hate it. We already know all that. That's not a mystery. But what I know is this, God is in control. Oh, they could, Democrat, Republican, whatever you are, you could say you're not going to do something, but God is the one that's in control of the hearts and minds and wills of men and women. I'll never, well, don't ever say what you will never do. The very thing you say you won't do is the very thing you may find yourself doing. I don't. I can't understand why he. What was it for you to understand? Just understand that we are weak creatures. Said, I would never. I can't. Even, I would never kill anybody. Don't say that you would never. You don't know. You would hope you do. Somebody said. So I have somebody challenge me on that. With I know I would never ever do this. I said well, I'm glad you can say that. But in the right situation, with the right circumstances. And depending on how you and your relationship with God is, you can find yourself doing the very thing that you despise the most. The the thing that you saw in somebody else that you couldn't imagine why they would ever do it could be the very thing you and I find ourselves sometimes getting caught up in. That's just how frail we are. I would hope I would never do some things. I would hope... I'm walking with the Lord strong enough that I'll be able to resist temptation. I hope I'm never put in that circumstance that I have to do so, that I may have to take somebody's life. But I I don't know what I would do. I can't say what I would do. I pray the Lord would keep me. But the whole idea is that when we have eternal life, it is like I said, it's a new quality of life. That's is how God's Love to us has been expressed. God's love language to us. Bottom line is God's love language to us is wrapped up in one person. Jesus Christ. You want to know about God's love? John 3.16 tells us this. 1 John 4.9 says, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only his one and only Son into the world, so that we might live through Him. That's First John four nine. First John four ten says this: Love consists in this. Here it is: Not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Y'all yeah, like that? Love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Even while we were enemies of God, God loved us enough to provide his son. When I was an enemy, when I was a a combatant of God, God said, I love you. You don't understand that yet, but if you come to know me, you will. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice, the propitiation For our sins. He died for me. So that I would not have to pay the cost for my sins. What's the cost pastor? Eternal damnation and separation from God. That's the cost. The cost of not having Christ. And being condemned by God is. You are eternally condemned. Separated from God. But God says. I'm going to give everybody the opportunity. Whether you take it or not. It's one thing. But it is. And has been provided. Romans 8.32 says, He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? God gave us his son. He gave it all up. He went to the cross to die for each and every one of us. Specifically. When he was there, he had Byron in his eye. He said, One day he's going to have the opportunity to say yes. That's the reason why I'm on this cross, so that when he has that opportunity to say yes, he will say yes. But God doesn't force his way, he gives us the choice to say, trust and obey. Or say, I'm going to do my own thing. Amen? Jude, verse 1 says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are called, to those who are the called, loved by God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. God's love language to us. We're loved by the Father. I don't know of anybody, I don't know of anyone who does not like the idea of being loved. There's something about knowing that somebody loves you. And and sometimes the people who know you the best, they still love you. But to have an arm wrapped around you every now and then, to hear somebody say, I love you, means a lot. There are a lot of people who, who live their life not ever really experiencing true, genuine love. And sometimes when people meet somebody that really loves them, and especially when we think about God, I can't, there's no way God could love me. Yeah, there is. There is nothing that you could ever do that God is going to hold back his love from you. He died for that very reason that you think is the reason why he should love you. Whatever it is, well, and you know people, oh Pastor, I would come to church, but boy, the moment I step into church, the wall's gonna come crumbling down. Well, if they didn't come crumbling down because all of us are here today, and we know our junk, we know our mess. I don't know of anybody else on the outside that's got more mess than we got. In fact, sometimes they may be better off than some of us. We're good at camouflaging. We're good at faking out, folks. They're dishonest to say that. And some of us, you know how some people are, I don't care. I'm going to be bold. Well, you can't be bold with God. He knows your story. Amen. I was sharing with, was sharing with John. I said, you know what, John? I'm so happy that this little thing right up here. It shows all the words and whatever. I'm glad it doesn't show my life. And I bet if I asked you, you're glad it doesn't show your life as well. (laughs) Come in one Sunday morning and somehow it's got your whole life. And all those things that we've ever done. And some of the things we've done that nobody knows we've done. All of a sudden we walk in and go, wait a minute, what is that? Is that me? Oh, my God. They they found, oh, gee. We start wanting to hide. Uh, uh, you just turn right around, go out the door, get in your car, go back home. No, man, I'm glad it did Yeah, that's why when it comes to the house of God, when it comes to God's love, that's why I could say, "Thank you, Lord, for being so good to me," because I know how messed up I am, and you know better than I know myself, and you still love me to put food on my table clothes on my back car to drive my family's got a reasonable portion of health and strength oh we may not be the healthiest but we're not lying in a hospital about ready to die yet we got some issues but God's brought us through God you've been too good and in spite of I'm looking outside the sun is shining you know, with all the greatness. You, I could tell when we were going to get. We were driving up the road, and the thing that we said to each other was, "Oh my God, here it comes!" You just see the great clouds, and I just knew. I said, "We're getting ready to go into this." I'm looking outside now. There's a little hint of blue, but the sun, the S U N is shining. It doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Doesn't you? Don't you feel better when the S U N Now, if you you can feel better, and I close on this, if you and I can feel better when the S-U-N is shining, how much more can we feel better when the S-O-N, the Son of God, is shining in our hearts and in our lives? Of all people, we ought to be the ones that shall say, thank you for blessing me. Thank you, Lord. I don't deserve it. You've been so good. God's love language to us is all wrapped up in the person of his son on the cross for me. Father, thank you for your word.